Welcome to the Alcohol Rethink Podcast, the show designed for men who are ready to rethink the role of alcohol in their lives. Get ready to hear some awesome coaching insights, powerful tools, captivating interviews and first-hand experiences, all dedicated to helping you rethink your relationship with alcohol for good. I'm your host, Patrick Fox. Let's go. Hi guys and welcome to episode number 122 of the Alcohol Rethink Podcast. Great to be back with you today guys and I'm super excited because I've got a guest on. His name is Tony Richardson. He works as a sober coach and he helps people he works with get results instead of struggles. And I'm really looking forward to this interview because you know, having already had a little brief chat with him, he's got a really unique story around stopping drinking. Actually, he's technically got two stories around stopping drinking. So I'm really looking forward to getting him on and seeing where it goes. So Tony, welcome to the show, dude. Thank you, Patrick. Great to be here. Really excited as well. Yeah, nice one, mate. I, is there anything that you wanted to add um, as per your no, intro no, no. that I missed? Yeah, I mean, I live in a, a small country town, uh, about an hour of, out of the capital city of South Australia, which which is Adelaide. So this little town's called Strathalban, and uh, there's four pubs here. So, you know, going alcohol free in a country town with four pubs is, has been a challenge. But yeah, uh, you know, I got yeah, there. I cool. All right, man. Well, listen, I uh, I'm just going to kind of hand over to you for a little bit because I think what you've got to offer is going to be fascinating. And I'm going to ask some little questions along the way. So yeah, let's dive in, Tony. Tell us us your journey. Yeah. So like um, everybody's alcohol story, you know, has a beginning somewhere. So, I mean, most people start up with, you know, as kids, um, you know, they saw alcohol around the place and we weren't uh, much different. I think my first memory of, um, you know, what alcohol was, was when my dad used to go next door to the neighbours and, on a Sunday afternoon and have a few beers with the neighbours. He, he used to call it church, which uh, <laughs> I, which used to, uh, I think it used to rattle my mum because she was a, a Roman Catholic and she was, uh, you know, brought up in the church and um, taught by nuns and so on. And, um, you know, as, as time went on, sort of uh, became a teenager and I wasn't really interested in drinking, so... Um, I was really into model aeroplanes and, you know, flying and all that sort of stuff. So I had a paper round and I had a, a job actually, ironically, at a, at a beer bottle washing yard oh, no to wash the beer bottles to, to send back to the recycling plant. Yeah. And uh, I used to get my money that way, but it used to go into like balsa wood and, you know, model engines and all that sort of thing. And my love of aviation sort of led me towards a, a career in the Royal Australian Air Force. So oh, wow. um, I wanted to get in really quickly so i decided i'd join the apprenticeship scheme so at 16 and a half i joined the royal australian air force so along with uh about i think it was about 350 young men and boys aged from 15 to 17 we all sort of converged on country new south wales at a a raft base there and started our apprenticeship training which was uh, fantastic that's something that I'd, i'd always wanted to do and of course when you get a bunch of guys in the, what, it was mid-70s, 1975, together after a week or so, it turns to alcohol. What are we going to do on a Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of where I got introduced to, to drinking. And, um, you know, after a, a couple of months, a lot of 
I was homesick and, you know, we had these beers and they used to be called, um, it was KB was the brand and we used to call them kitty beers because we were like, you know, 16, 17. So that was fine for us. But, um, you know, instead of sort of being happy and relaxed and because I was homesick, I ended up bawling my eyes out. <laughs> so it was a, a different sort of introduction to, to drinking and what it might be able to do for you. Um, and we were there for about 18 months and um, that's probably where my binge drinking started. You know, we'd uh, go through the week, do the training, um, all the study and all the things we had to do. And then usually on the weekends, we're pretty free to do what we want. You know, he'd go and do sports or whatever. But come Saturday night, it was uh, get the beers in or, or um, you know, find some way to, to procure alcohol from the senior course members. And uh, away we go. And, you know, drink as fast as you can, get it down, get buzzed and get up to mischief. Yeah. And that, uh, that, that sort of drinking probably continued through my, my Air Force career. Um, it was kind I mean, of, you know. Sorry. I was going to yep. say, it's pretty big in the services. Like my uh, granddad and other people in my family, that they've been part of the services. And so, yeah, it's just a, there's a huge culture around alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. You, especially if you're stationed away from home, like you're saying, right? Like feeling homesick. Yeah. Put your yeah. messes. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Um, oh, what, we had um, a competition between Army, Navy, and Air Force. All the apprentices, and basically, we formed little friendship circles, and we took a couple of Army guys out to a, a hotel, and we ended up somewhere, and we were. I had the car, and we were drinking tequila, and um, I don't know how I drove home. I really don't, you know. Lucky there wasn't much traffic on the roads back to the RAF base. But I had five guys in the car. They were all asleep and I was driving and I was like nice. driving one one eye open, trying to, you know, stay in my lane. It was, you know, I think about it now and I just think, how do we survive sometimes? Yeah, you know? it's, it's and, scary, man. And, I, yeah. I was someone yesterday and um, we, we kind of like, we were acknowledging that as the, when, when you stop drinking, you tend to look back at all the times that you were drinking and did stupid yeah. shit like drink driving or whatever it might have been, man. And it's, it is scary. And you think how many, yeah. like you, you're just such fine margins of, of sometimes life and death. Yeah. Well, we did, we did lose uh, a young fella actually in a car crash. It wasn't I'm pretty mm. sure it wasn't drink involved, but um, you know, yeah, these things happen. It's, yeah. it's always around, you know, you think you're invincible when you're young, but you know you've got guys sort of getting into trouble and having accidents, and this young fellow lost his life on our course. Yeah, so um, yeah, so that sort of set the precedent, I think, for the the way that I drank for the next twenty odd years while I was in the service. You know, you, if you're a team player, you would um, work hard, play hard, and um, I seem to be always kind of like the last guy to leave the uh, the function. You know, oh, if the yeah. beer ran out, then I'd, I'd sort of go home. Um, later on, when I got got a bit older, I'd, you know, if I had a, a, a party at our place, I'd get stuck into the beers and then, oh, gee, I'm tired. And I would sort of sneak away and, and go and have a nap. <laughs> and a couple of times I sort of woke up and, oh, the house is all dark. Everyone's gone home. <laughs> They've left me there. Great joke. Yeah. Tony's gone to sleep again, so we'll just leave him there. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah. So I was in the the forces for about twenty odd years, and then uh, I got out. Um, 
when I was about 36. Of course, I was married by this time, had a couple of kids. Um, our married life um, didn't drink as much with the kids around. We didn't have a lot of money. So you know, I wasn't um, going flat out all the time drinking. It was kind of like um, buy a carton of beer on a payday and that would last a couple of weeks. Um, as time went on, though, as the kids grew up and, um, you know, the house got paid off and we had a little bit more money, you know, gradually the drinking was sort of ramp up. And, um, you know, then I sort of started thinking, oh, gee, am I, am I drinking too much? You know, I'm starting to have really bad hangovers and it was affecting my work. I was a contractor by this time. So, you know, I was really responsible for doing a good job, getting paid by the hour and delivering on projects and training and all that sort of stuff so um, being hung over on a Monday was not a good thing and uh, you know if you miss a day you would miss a day's pay so um, so it kind of kind of settled me down a bit but um, probably around 2005 six seven I was starting to think you know I'm just drinking too much this is really starting to affect my life so I thought well I'll try and moderate a bit so I'd make the rules, you know, the usual thing. Make a rule, okay, I'm, I'm not going to drink until Friday night. And, of course, Thursday would sort of come around to you, so I wouldn't want to drink. So, I'd, you know, I'll just have a drink. Grab a six-pack, take one out. Okay, I'll just have that. I'll better have another one. <laughs> and, no, of course, by the, the by the end of the night, <laughs> yeah, yeah, break the rules. And then, uh, you know, Friday morning, oh, you know, I've had five, six. Oh, I don't feel too good. You know, what am I doing? I, I, I was only going to have one. And the same sort of thing would happen Saturday night. And then, um, you know, Sunday night I'd say, okay, I'm not going to drink Sundays. And then something would happen and I'd drink Sundays. And, of course, Monday I'd feel pretty average sort of going to work. And, uh, and it finally came to a head in 2007. I think, um, you know, some of the things you get up to, like I was at that time, I, I would have my beers my wife would go to bed. I think, oh, she's got some scotch there. I'll finish with that. So I'd go and grab a bit of her scotch. And, um, oh, I've had a bit too much. So I'll just top her scotch bottle up with a bit of water. She won't know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, getting into the hiding. Yeah, getting into yeah, the hiding, yeah. the drinking, that sort of thing. But um, uh, the night that made me change my mind about drinking was um, I'd had some beers. I'd had a bit of scotch. Still wanted more, you know. You you want more, and I had some clean skin wine, and I hadn't been going to drink these things. You know what a, a clean skin is? Comes from the winery. It's got oh, no label on it. Okay. It's just oh, red, red wine. You can buy it like five dollars a bottle. It's really cheap. And I hadn't been going to drink this stuff, so I thought, oh, you know, it's all right. I'll try some of that. So I went and tried some, and I can honestly say it was like drinking hydraulic fluid. You know, I'm, I'm sort of drinking it going, why am I drinking this? What, what is wrong with me? And I still drank it. And I had the mother of all hangovers the next day on the Monday. I thought, this is it. I, I can't drink. You know, I've got to, I've got to change. And um, it took me till Tuesday to sort of come good. And then I thought, well, you know, what am I going to do? What's, what's the best way to change? And I thought, oh, I could try AA. We're in a small country town. We've got a little AA um, outfit here. I thought, oh, it's almost going to be like Alcoholics Almost Anonymous because, you know, it's probably going to be 20 people out of a town of 300. 
<laughs> they're all going to know each other, and I, I, yeah, I really don't, I really can't see myself doing that. But I thought, oh well, I'll, I'll read the literature because there wasn't much around. So I sort of went through the big book, and you know, there's a lot of things in there about the twelve steps, and some of those I thought, oh, I just, I don't know if I could do that. When I, you know, I don't know, I don't feel like I could stand up in a little hall and say. You know, hi, I'm Tony. I'm an alcoholic. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It just didn't fit. Like I was, I felt that I was kind of successful in everything I'd done up until that stage. You know, I'd, I'd come out of the Air Force. I virtually finished on the Friday, started a new job on the Monday as a, a training contractor. Um, you know, training people in IT courses and stuff. And I had, you know, I'd been into that career and I was doing all sorts of things. Uh, with train, training, consulting, and I had a, a few customers and stuff. Um, you know, we paid a house off and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm pretty successful. This doesn't sound like me, you know, sitting in a little hall drinking cold coffee and people smoking and all that sort of stuff and telling stories. So I went through the literature. And what took me was the actual stories, you know, the stories about people, how they you know, had been drinking and had overcome that and, and how there was hope that, you know, if you could if you could just stop drinking, then, you know, you, you could fix it, you know, just by stopping drinking. So I thought, well, that's probably what I'll do. So uh, a couple of days, I think, went by and then I, I said to my wife, you know, that's it, I'm not, I'm not drinking anymore. So basically I stopped. Mm. And, but probably as you know, with, with just using willpower, there's a, a, a number of things that are going to sort of back up behind that. So in the beginning, I was really motivated. You know, I, I thought about all these stories. They really had an impact. I told myself that I, you know, I had a problem. I had a disease. Um, I was different to other people. You know, so I took all that on board myself. And that's that's the way I was sort of thinking. And basically, I avoided the pub. I didn't go to any pub for probably about six months and I felt really uncomfortable around people drinking, but I thought, you know, over time, this will, this will, if I keep sticking at it, this will get less and less. And it, and it did for a while, but then it's, it's a bit like dancing with the devil. You know, you hear this little voice like, Oh, you know, it's been two years. You could have one. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't have one. <laughs> I've got this problem. Remember, I've got this disease. You know, you you can't drink again. You're not like other people. And it was mm. it was really isolating because I really I couldn't talk to anyone about it. You know, um, I tried to sort of explain it to to my wife a bit, and she's like, "Well, you know, it's been it's been two years. You should be over it by now." And I'm, and I'm internally, I'm like, "No, you know, I still I still have this FOMO. I have still have this. You know, I can't sort of watch people drink." Um, you know, I don't like going to the restaurant, but I sort of went. Um, and this went on for, well, eight years, basically. Um, and towards the end of the eight years, those voices in your head, you know, like, you know, you, you'd be all right. You could just have one. And it'll be okay. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of over it now. And I sort of stick to it. No, you know, I'm not drinking, basically. It was a real... It was really a battle of willpower. It was really, uh, you know, digging into it. Yeah. And then um, I'm, I'm also a, a recreational pilot. So I've got an aeroplane, like a, a light plane that I built yeah. as a kit. This was one of oh. the projects I sort of had, had going. 
to uh, to help me <laughs> help me get over the drinking. In actual fact, that was one of the things that sort of propelled that decision because I was out there in the shed. I started it in 2006. I was out there in the shed doing something, had a couple of beers, and I was doing some measurements on the aluminium, and I made a mistake. I thought, sugar. <laughs> Here's a mistake. And I thought, oh, how am I going to fix that? And I've, I found a way to fix it. And anyway, my wife said, look, you, you can't drink while you're out there building an airplane. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, all right. And that was that was one of the other factors that sort of helped me push me in the direction of, of giving up drinking. Yeah. So I finished this airplane, and I needed to redo my license. So I went to a flying school that's local, run by a, a lovely lady called Diana, and she sort of became a mentor for me. And, uh, you know, we had a, a pretty good relationship flying, and, and I was, really admired what she did. Um, she'd started up this flying school herself, um, and, you know, pilots are pretty misogynistic kind of guys. Or, you know, a lot, she copped a lot of flack from a lot of people, like, you know, here's this woman becoming a CFI and starting up her own flying school and stuff, and, but I thought it was great. And um, in the end, basically, she didn't tell anyone, but she had bowel cancer, and she passed away in uh, 2015. And... Mm-hmm. Just that, oh, it's coming up now, but just yeah. that grief and, and trying yeah. to deal with that. Sort of that was the um, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I thought, look, the, the only way that I can fix this was the only way I knew how was mm. basically to take a drink. And um, it was March 2016, and I, I sort of uh, went down to the local liquor store. I bought some cans of Stella, 500 mil cans, and I took one back into my shed, little shed here. And I opened it and I drank it and I thought, I'm going to get struck by lightning. You know, I'd done all this work and it was like a house of cards just imploding. And I felt like shit. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's it. Bugger it. And had another one. And it kind of kicked it off again. So, yeah, that was the start of my drinking career again. So that uh, we went away to Italy in 2016. So... I thought that was great. I could drink, you know, going to Italy for three weeks. Uh, our daughter was over there with her um, her boyfriend. He's, he's an Italian boy. And, uh, yeah, we spent three weeks with them touring around the country. It was fantastic. And I couldn't get over that you could buy a uh, a uh, Peroni for, what was it, a 1.30 Euro 30 or something. And here they're like five bucks each or something like that. And I thought it was great. But, you know, that those old patterns sort of – Sneaking back in again, like we went to a beach and while we we're on the beach, you know, we'd, we'd had lunch at a little cafe there and then we went down on the beach and sat on the lounges and, you know, absorbed the atmosphere and I thought, oh, I've got to go to the loo. So went back, saw the bar, oh, I'll grab a Peroni while I'm here. So I'd throw one down, back down to the lounges and then, oh, I need to pee. And I'd go back and grab another one and I'd have two. Yeah. And like I was, yeah, back into it again. And, and I reckon... It probably took a couple of months, but I think I was I was pretty quickly back where I started, where I was before I was, I stopped drinking, you know, and fueling fueling that there was you know the grief, there was the feeling of failure, you know, um, I totally screwed it up. I'd you know I'd e- I'd even made promises to God. I really I thought I was going to get struck by lightning, you know, when I took that drink, you know, I'd, you know I'd prayed, you know, if you help me do this. You know, I'll be forever in your debt and uh, all, all sorts of stuff is going through my mind. So all of that stuff really drove that that drinking again. 
and um you know back into the same cycle the moderation and trying to control it and all of those sorts of things drinking too much and i found that um i wasn't getting hangovers so i was kind of i was drinking to a level where i was almost drunk but not enough to give me a really bad headache but it was was starting to affect my health so yeah. in 2017 we were in bali and you know we we're having drinks and stuff and i felt this pain in my side in my right hand side and i thought ooh just under my rib cage and i thought what's that I thought all right google pain under rib cage what's that liver oh shit <laughs> so uh when we got back here, sort of went and had scans and stuff, and they, they couldn't find anything. So they said, oh, it could be an ulcer or something like that. So I took all the medication and stuff, um, and it didn't kind of settle down. And, um, you know, this the same patterns all went on until about uh, 2021. You know, we were in the middle of COVID and all that sort of thing, so that ramped the drinking up as well. Um, you know, trying to... We were trying to moderate, you know, all the same behaviours, the going and pinching the scotch. Um, and the, and I noticed that um, I went sort of went flying and I I wasn't drunk. No, you know, there wasn't any alcohol in my system. But, like, I'd go flying and I sort of, yeah, yeah, do a couple of circuits, you know, land, open up the hangar doors, put the aeroplane away, and then I'd go home. And on the way home, I'd buy a six-pack. So it was like, I kind of realized, like, you're just going through the motions, you know, you're just, you're flying, but you're not enjoying it. And you're really just doing this activity so you can go and have a drink. Oh, and wow. I thought, oh, that's not good. And because I loved, I love flying because I, you know, if I nailed a good landing, it'd be like fantastic. Or, you know, I'd, I'd sort of close up the hangar doors and open it again, like, oh, that's really my aeroplane. You know, I, I really love this, but I wasn't doing that. I had no joy. And that was one of the, the first sort of red flags that, that the kind of the joy had gone out of it. And I was just kind of living day to day. You know, I was just drinking for the sake of drinking. I was to the sort of preclusion of all other activities. Um, yeah, basically just numbing out, numbing out from life. So, So, yeah, that was a bit of a revelation. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going to have to try and stop again. And I thought all this other, all this stuff came up like before from when I stopped the first time. How am I going to get that that mindset back? How am I going to find that place again where, that I was so motivated and so inspired by people's stories that I could, you know, I could do this all again? Would I be able to use willpower again to basically have another period of being alcohol-free? I thought, okay. Best thing to do is try and Google. So I started Googling and I thought, um, uh, what, I forget the exact terms. I was looking for a book. So, you know, I'm looking for alcohol freedom or something like that. And anyway, Annie Grace's book came up. I thought, oh, this is interesting. You know, control alcohol. Oh, I like that bit. I definitely can't control alcohol. So I uh, I ordered the book. Uh, and I before I ordered it, I said to my wife, you know, if I can just get my mindset right, I know I can beat this again. You know, I've got that that same determination. So yeah. I just don't have the tools. You know, the tools that I used last time obviously haven't worked, so I need something better. So it landed on this book. Anyway, I was used, was taking the bus to work at this time. So 
I'm on the bus. I thought, right, I start reading it, and I'm sort of reading it, and I'm I'm going, holy cow, that's why, you know, there'd be there'd be a revelation about liminal thinking about how your thoughts control what you do, and I'm going, holy dooly, you know, poof, lights going on, and people must have thought I was weird in the back of the bus, like I'm going, holy wow, you know, wow, <laughs> they're like, well, what's this guy on, you know, what's what drugs he doing, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was quite a revelation, so. You know, I went through the book. I, um, you know, did some of the exercises in there, did some journaling and stuff. I thought, okay, I, I think I can, think I can do this. So I thought, well, in the book it sort of tells you, you know, sign up for thirty day experiment. So I did that, and you, you get a, an email and a video a day, and I went through all of that. And I thought, yeah, that's that's great. So I was feeling really motivated. I sort of, you know, had an idea of. Um, you know, the things that I needed to do about changing my thoughts and how my emotions um, led me to do a lot of things that I was doing. And a lot of things were kind of, um, you know, like neural pathways. You know, you get into a bit of stress or whatever, go and pick up a drink because that's what you've always done. And uh, I decided, okay, it was this was April 21, I'll stop. And basically I did. And I thought, you know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for those little thoughts. I'm waiting for the the FOMO, and it didn't happen. And I'm thinking, well, that's curious. Why is that not happening? Why am I not feeling the same way? And I, it kind of tweaked. Well, I don't really have any desire. I don't really want it, which was radical because before using willpower, I always had this little thing going on where, you know, I have to tell myself, no, you're different, you're diseased, you can't do this, you know, you're You've got to not do this to get through this. Okay. And, and this new experience was like, well, I don't care if people drink. You know, I can go, to, I went to the pub and, and of course, around about this, the last couple of years, you know, the explosion of um, of 0% beer, non alcoholic beer has, has sort of happened. And I, I kind of held off for a, a few months. I thought, nah, this is going to trigger me if I, I do this. You know, I, I don't know if I want to do it. Anyway, one day I thought, oh, I'll just I'll just try it. And I had a go and I thought, oh, this is not too bad because I actually did like the taste of beer. You know, Australia is a hot country on a, a really hot day. It's nothing better to have a, a cold, crisp beer. And I, I tried one of these and I thought, oh, that's not too bad. And I, only wanted, and I only wanted one. That was it. I didn't need to go through the whole six-pack of zero beer for whatever reason, you know, to to get a buzz or whatever, it was just oh yeah, I'll just have one. That that's enough. And uh, even today, I was out out for lunch today with uh, my father-in-law and my wife, and you know, I had one. I thought that was enough, but um, Dad wanted to have another one, and my wife was yeah, I'm, I might have another bubbly or something. And I thought oh well, I'll just have another one. You know, nothing nothing unusual about that. It was great. So yeah, so it's quite interesting. As I was saying earlier on, before we started, the, the contrast between the two experiences—you know, the the willpower way and all the crap that goes on with that—and then being able to understand what alcohol is and what it does in your body and and how your mind works and how um, you know a lot of things that you do are just reactions to emotions or thoughts or, um, and whatever—and you know, you you just reach for that drink and away you go. But when you sort of level that playing field off it's it was actually easier to not drink 
Yeah, man. Wicked. Thank you. I can totally relate because, <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've spoke about it many, many times in this podcast, but that book was the catalyst yeah. for me stopping drinking. Like it really started shifting a lot of things. And it's interesting because I hear, hear you say like, well, the book's called, called Control Alcohol or it's called This Naked Mind, but it says Control Alcohol. But really, not you're not controlling alcohol. You're controlling right. your brain, right? Like you're changing yeah. the way you think. And when you change the way you think, you feel different. When you feel different, you do different things. And like that's that's the difference here. And I'd love to just for us to just speak about willpower for a minute because I'm not sure that everyone listening might even know what we're talking about, right? And it might be really helpful for them to be able to like make that distinction between like, Oh, this is willpower. And Oh, this is actually me, you know, like reprogramming my re- my brain, resetting my brain. Because I think Tony, and you might agree is that in the beginning, it does require a little bit of willpower, right? Like it yeah. does require some will. Uh, yet it's not sustainable as we can see. Right. Although I say mm. that like you, you sustained it for nine years almost, but yeah. it, like the, the whole nine years, it sounds like you spent, kind of batting it away to like keeping the wolf from the door so to yeah, speak yeah absolutely it was it was uh always always fighting with it always you know we we talk about cognitive dissonance which is the two voices in your head fighting with each other yeah you've got the one one saying look you know it's been it's been a couple of years you know you could probably have one it's okay you know i know that you're stressing because we're at the pub but you know, want to be okay, and then you got the other one like, "No, you idiot, you can't do this." You, you know, the really angry, fearful voice. You know, that one there is the the one that you're sort of focusing on to help you stop, um, stop your drinking, stopping you from uh, picking up a drink, and you you're th- kind of thinking about the consequences and stuff. And you know, it is a battle, and that's because you're thinking about it all the time. You're aware of it. Whereas the difference for me now, once I've done all this work, and um, you know, if something comes, and things still come up, you know, it, it, let's say, for example, a little thought pops up, you know, you could have one. Well, hang on a sec. You know, one, where's that coming from? Yeah. Why is that coming up? And you you go through that little, um, and you probably do it too, you go through that little routine where you sort of, you apply logic to it. And, then, you know, is it really worth it? Well, no, it's not. You know, yeah. That's That's yeah. not what I do now. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that sentence. That's not what I do now because you're talking about it in the past tense as if it's already yeah. done, right? And that's what was coming up for me when you were sharing is like willpower is helpful uh, and it's certainly not the enemy, but it's definitely not sustainable. And so yeah. I find like the difference between willpower and like unlearning the desire and reprogramming your brain is that, as you said, like you've got those two two parts, two voices, it feels like. There's the part of you is like, oh it'll be fine just have one like yada 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 um but then there's that other part is like oh no i'm not doing this right i'm not drinking today i don't want to have a drink like and that's the fearful willpower voice almost right like i'm not going to do it it's Mm. like it's it's force versus as you said there like there's another voice available to us all right it's not just the two i think there's a third maybe more right but there's that voice of curiosity that voice that goes that remembers like Actually, no, this is why I'm choosing not to drink. Like, yeah, I could have one, but I also know what happens tomorrow and I know how I feel the mm. day after that. And so you can play it forward and stuff. So, yeah, like really that that is the third voice, if you like, that really sets the difference between like willpower and actually resetting 
those neural pathways in your brain to to think differently about alcohol to remind yourself of why you're not drinking mm, absolutely yeah and it's, and it's another quiet voice usually it's not it's not an angry fearful voice it's mm. just another quiet sort of logical voice that you know you've put all these steps into place this is what you do this is how you you know you work through these thoughts you know as you know in this naked mind we talk about acts so we we um awareness yeah so awareness and then um you know clarity so i'm aware of the thought what's the thought about where's it coming from the clarity around that thought and then the uh, the turnaround you know is there another thought i can have about that mm. you know to, if if i do what's it going to be like tomorrow or you know how will i feel or whatever it is that can can help you turn around that that particular thought yeah nice awareness clarity and then turn around and that and, and that that voice it needs a bit of training right it needs absolutely <laughs> needs to be worked out because it's it's not going to be there in the beginning necessarily right because you probably yeah. are just it's probably going to feel like those other two guys are at front and center like, yeah. do it don't do it do it don't do it right but then it's yeah. it's that or as you say, like applying logic to it almost. Like, okay, so what's yeah. gonna happen here if we do this? Yeah. That's so important. Um, just to to acknowledge that. Because willpower is effort, right? Like when you're using willpower, you're using a lot of effort. And one of my biggest things, and why the podcast and everything I do is kind of all about the rethink, is that because when you rethink it, you're not thinking about drinking. You just like recognize that's not what I do anymore, that's not who I am anymore. And that doesn't take effort because you've redecided your identity right like you you change those associations as to why you drink where you know like sunny day like that's just such a uh, a standard thing for so many people like it's a sunny day let's crack open a beer right but when you actually change that association and recognize like actually do you know what like equally i could just have a nice cold glass of soda and lime and that's just as refreshing right like it doesn't have to yeah. be a beer so. yep or even water you know nice cold water yeah, man. There are times yeah. when, yeah, when I prefer water over a, a beer, an NA beer, or, or any of those. Um, when um, in that first sort of willpower phase, you know, there wasn't any um, alcohol-free beers, or there was, a, I think, some crappy wines they used to sell. But uh, you know, it's amazing how it's exploded. But I used to have like lemon, lime, and bitters, which are really sweet. And I find I just, I just don't have a sweet palate. I, I couldn't stomach that. And Coca-Cola and those sorts of things, but certainly, um, um, uh, what's it called? Tonic water, tonic water and lime was, uh, one of my favorites, you know, yeah. a shot of tonic water and a, a squeeze of lime juice and that, that was quite refreshing. Yeah. The other, the other thing I think, um, that got me with the willpower was, um, that sense of failure. And that may have been, you know, some of the stuff that I'd read, um, you know, if you if you drink, you know, that's a failure. You've got to hand your chips in and, and that sort of thinking. Whereas, um, you know, my thinking now, if let's say something did happen, uh, it would be completely different. But like, okay, I did this. I had a drink. What led up to that? What was what was my thinking? I'd sort of go into it. You know, what was I thinking? What was I feeling? You know, was it, you know, let's say, for example, if... Um, you know, the grief was involved, you know, how could I have avoided that? Would I have been able to talk to somebody else? Was there somebody in my circle that I could I could get that out? 
whereas before I kind of, um, and this is something that's, I guess it's a story I tell myself, but I sort of, I'm a quiet sort of bloke. I don't sort of talk about that stuff. And maybe a lot of other blokes are like that. We don't talk about our problems. We don't talk about what's really going on inside us. Um, and then trying to deal with that. The, the only way I could deal with that was by drinking. But, you know, how would I deal with that now? Well, I'd, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to talk to somebody. I'd have to get it out. Um, because I know that if if I drink again and continue, it's just going to be a spiral. You know, it's it's not going to be good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a head fuck, isn't it? It's because, like, yeah, you wanna, you, like, there's all this stuff going on inside of you and you want to talk about it to someone. Maybe it's about drinking. Maybe there's other things going on as well. But you just you don't feel you can because of whatever those narratives, beliefs you have are about speaking. And, and 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 shame as well right because you mentioned yeah. there like secret drinking like well generally when we're doing that it's because we don't want other people to know about it and when we don't want other people to know about it we kind of like are hiding it in ourselves as well and so it, yeah. it just actually it gets deeper and deeper and deeper doesn't it like it makes you less yeah, and less absolutely wanting to talk about it and yeah and it's just a horrible thing yeah. to to experience and i'm sure many of us listening and and us included here can relate to that yeah, and I, I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, like being fellas or men, we kind of, um, you know, fall into some of those ideals, like the the patriarchy ideals, I call them, or the patriarchy trap where, you know, you're expected to be strong and resilient and not have emotions and that sort of thing. But in, in actual fact, you know, you do have emotions and you can feel them and they're, they're very real things. And I think, you know, maybe some guys cover that up with, you know, they're fearful about it, but they cover it up with anger. You know, they get angry about how they feel. And that's the thing that comes out the most where, you know, if you could understand that, you know, emotions are normal for, for guys and, you know, if you got someone to talk to or um, find different ways to express yourself, you know, certainly you can filter out some of that stuff and uh, relieve some of the angst that you might have. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually, is, is you know, like, sometimes I find those guys would rather be angry and pissed off than actually, like, <laughs> deal with what's going on, right? Yeah. And yeah. so that, and then that often leads to having a drink because we feel stressed because of what's going on and we think that's the way to deal with things, but it's, uh, it's the opposite, man. And yeah. maybe, like, let's just uh, speak to that for a moment or two more, right, is around the secret drinking and hiding things because you know i mentioned shame right i think when we find ourselves doing those things that's when that internal dialogue is like there's something wrong with me why can't i stop like what's the matter with me i must be fucked like, like tons yeah of tons absolutely of stuff. yeah yeah and, it, and that's where we make it about us we think that our actions are defining who we are as a person and it's not man it's like you're just okay they are actions but they're not who you are right and the more that lie becomes effectively right like the deeper you go into it they're like the more challenging it can be to talk about it but actually what you're doing isn't necessarily because you want to be doing it obviously it's just like the way that your bro yeah your program your brain has been programmed to desire alcohol right yeah, yeah. and and it and it will keep seeking it and it will keep seeking it until we kind of actually start looking at what's going on underneath there. Yeah. 
you know, you're sort of you're recognizing that you know you're drinking too much, so you're hiding your activity. You know, people hide bottles of wine in cupboards, and you know, I was pinching my wife's scotch and topping it up with water, and yeah. um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be telling her how many beers I'd gone through in a night, or I, you know, I'd have a secret stash of a six pack, you know, put away somewhere that I could put in the fridge later. Um, to make it look like I, you know, I hadn't had that six pack, you know, that kind of stuff. Because, you know, I was worried internally about how much I was drinking, but I didn't want other people to know in case they called me out on it, which would, you know, yeah. highlight my behavior, and then I might have to yeah. do something about it. You know. Yeah, and plus the so ego wouldn't like that, right? <laughs> to, no. <laughs> yeah, to to admit some kind of, well, because of things that we've heard in the past like aa right like because of that uh connotation of like what well, means you've got a disease or a problem and stuff like mm. i noticed that a lot with the guys i speak to like they're worried that other people are going to think that they have a problem and it's like yeah it's it's not you man it's what alcohol does to you right there's a yeah, real exactly. difference yeah yeah and i th- and i think that was the the theme of the you know the this naked mind book it's it's not you it's the alcohol yeah. This is what it does, and this is how you react to it. This is what your brain does, you know. And this is all these things um, come basically come back to the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, if you if you're here and you're listening to this, and you notice you find that you're kind of hiding your drinking, or you you recognise any kinds of those signs that Tony and I have been mentioning, right? It's not you, right? This is what alcohol does. It impacts our behaviours and stuff, and find a way to first admit that to yourself, like be honest with yourself, but then also who can you talk to about it? Cause I know that when I started speaking to people about what was going on for me, like the relief I felt was insane just to actually talk out loud and say, Hey, look, I'm really struggling with this. It was such a big thing. Uh, and actually, you know, it was the opposite of what I thought was going to happen is that everyone was going to think I was a, fucking alcoholic or whatever and actually yeah. it started opening up different conversations it led it led to a conversation with one of my best mates who told me about this naked mind right and so yep. yeah just think about if you notice you kind of engaging in those behaviors where you're hiding stuff or topping up whiskey bottles whatever it might look like, like don't make yourself wrong for that is what i'm trying to say like recognize like okay yeah they're probably not ideal things to be doing but there is help out there. Like it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Like there is something that you can do about this. Absolutely. Nice. All right, man. What a great conversation. I've, I've, I've loved this. I think uh, speaking about willpower is huge because I, I think maybe sometimes people aren't entirely sure what that means and to know what the difference is. And your example of the two times of quitting drinking like it's such a, a great example for people to be aware of so yeah thanks for coming on and sharing tony yeah thank you and it's um yeah it's interesting too because like when i look at that when i look at that eight years mm. i don't frame it as um you know a failure or anything like that what it's actually been a great learning experience and i think um just going through that has really actually helped me set me up for success by using this other method because i'd you know i'd done that bit and I'd gone through a lot of things so you know like you were saying before um, getting through uh, using willpower to get through some new things for you like uh, you know birthdays new years weddings um, you know some of those things for the first time will require some willpower but then if you've got you know a framework behind that that 
helps you look at your thoughts and what you're thinking and how you're being triggered and all, all that sort of stuff. That helps. Uh, and in my case, you know, all of that um, really laid the foundations, if you will, for, for my success in the second part. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a lost course, put it that way. <laughs> it no, was a, a really valuable, yeah. really valuable experience, you know, and and it's kind of you know helped me now um, in understanding the way you know, way people most people kind of rely on willpower of some form or another to to stop their drinking, um, you know, and knowing what I know now, I can I can spot that, and you know, and use the other the other methods, the TNM methods, to sort of bring them through that say okay this is you know this is another way to look at this yeah yeah really really good yeah like one of one of the telltale signs for me when i'm working with guys and recognizing your willpower at play or not is like when they're thinking they have to get through it when they're like when they're trying to get through experiences like for me that's a real indication like oh okay there's a lot there's a lot of will going on here still right because Mm. it's not about getting through something you know, it's about experiencing it. It's about showing yourself yeah. how it can be different. Yep. You know, nice. and and not characterizing um, a slip up or, or whatever as a failure. It's really a learning opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So you know, what what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Could I do something different this next time around? You know, that's and that's a you know recognizing that it's the alcohol, not you. That's the yeah. the problem. Is really really powerful. Man, I feel like we could do a whole other episode about failure. To be quite honest, like I think it's so huge. Yeah. It's another huge part because of because of how we're educated, and because of how our parents and society kind of teaches about failure and all that stuff. You know, like pass or fail and all that. It, like it has a big impact, yeah. and it, it still shows up, especially with alcohol as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> we're not going to be able to dive into that right now. But. Yeah, Tony, I've loved having you on, man. Before you go, one question I love to ask all my guests, and that is, what does it mean to be radically human? Ah, yeah, good question. Um, I think for me now, um, you know, it's just appreciating everything around me. Like, um, you know, there's there's a lot of dark in the world. There's a lot, lot of light. And just for me to be human and, and you know, experience everything, because um, you know, hold things in light, like, um, uh, you know, gratitude. Um, you know, we live on a little country block. Um, we planted all the trees around our block. They're about 30 years old now. And, like, some days when I look out the window, you know, be around sunset, there's a beautiful yellow light and there's, you know, there might be raindrops on the gum tree leaves and stuff, mm. and it just looks absolutely fantastic. I think, you know, this is such an amazing planet we live on. You know, and rather than numbing out and, you know, missing all the little things that are around you, you know, we have little tiny native birds. They're not much bigger than my finger. They look like little blue wrens, you know, just watching them skip around the garden. There's a lot of joy in that. So, you know, just being great, enjoying, yeah, enjoying our environment, what's around us, all the little things that you, you know, you sort of see that bring light into your world. And, uh, yeah, experiencing everything, you know, ups and downs, ebbs and flows. It's all part of being human. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, you man. Know, it, it, it really is. It's the little things, man. And I think yeah. when you're drinking, you miss a ton of those. You do. You, you, miss, you miss so much. Yeah. Amazing. 
All right, dude. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about you, where would they go? Okay, so um, if you go to www.sobertides.com, you'll uh, find my website there that's got uh, my story and and uh, the uh, some of the services that I provide. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be lovely to hear from people. Um, fantastic, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, there you go, www.sobertides.com. Was it? That's it. Perfect. Well, we put it in the show notes and any other social media handles and stuff as well so people can find you there. No All right. Thanks so much, Tony, for coming on and sharing and giving us all of your wisdom. I think it's a super cool conversation. No worries. Thank you, Patrick. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Nice one. And thank you guys for listening. And remember that, you know, if you can relate to anything that's come up in this interview today, it's like there's help out there for you, man. Like you don't have to go this alone. It's not a you problem. This is just kind of a little bit of understanding your brain and what alcohol does. And there's help there waiting for you all right cool well, thanks for listening appreciate you all take care and bye-bye